Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 112 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and it is the calm before the trade deadline storm. So today we will talk about Kevin Love's injury, Jabari Parker's return, Nikola Miritich, the trade is official, and Greg Monroe has been bought out by the Phoenix Suns heading to the Boston Celtics. We will touch on all of that and more. Before we get underway, I wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so please give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FRS Hoops with a Z. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? So last week you had me up at around two to three a.m. Yep. Now you're joining. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Popping on a call at 10.30 at night. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I apologize to my co-host because I, <laughs> we, we were supposed to record... Two hours ago and then an hour ago, but uh, I was recruited. I guess a brewery in Nashville is having its second anniversary today, and they've released these special edition beers, which they are only releasing today, and they were almost sold out by the time we finally got up there, but the line was far longer than anticipated, so recording Mm. got a little bit delayed today. But thank you for your patience, Mort. Greatly appreciate it. I'm just glad that I'm second in line to beer. <laughs> I will yeah. I will toast you tomorrow with that beer from afar. How oh, that, that reminds me. If if you hear slurping on my end, I am sipping on hot cocoa because it started snowing a lot here in Copenhagen. Oh. So it's all white outside. And I have this thing, even though it's not Christmas, when it starts to snow like heavily, there's just nothing more cozy than sitting back with some hot cocoa. And I thought now was the time. That is reasonable. Then duly noted. Uh, All right, let's get underway more. Let's start with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we have expected for weeks to be busy at the trade deadline, given all all of the uh, turmoil that's been happening in their locker room throughout the month of January. 
More bad news for them this week. On Tuesday, Kevin Love went down with a non-displaced fracture in his left hand. He is expected to miss roughly the next eight weeks, putting his return, you know, a couple weeks before the end of the regular season, but he's basically out until March at the earliest. Uh, (laughs) I guess more first question is, how do you think this affects Cleveland's plans at the trade deadline? Oh, I don't think that changes a whole lot. This isn't like NBA 2K where you can't trade injured players. And, <laughs> and additionally, these are the kind of injuries that heal somewhat easily. Yeah. And you shouldn't be concerned about moving forward. So I don't think Kevin Love's value is de- decreased any if you were considering moving him. So I would, if I'm Cleveland, I'm just looking at that injury as a, oh, okay, at least he'll have fresh legs for the playoffs. That's true. Like, I mean, that's the perspective I'm going in. And then, you know, maybe this is a chance for Jay Crowder to establish himself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That's you, kind of my thinking. Do you think they need to upgrade at power forward for the next eight weeks? Or do, can they just stand pat and see what happens, as you mentioned, with Jay Crowder? Tristan Thompson just came back in the starting lineup. Mm. I mean, they could rely on Channing Fry a little bit more if they don't move him. Uh, do you think that affects their plans with any of those guys? I mean, I thought they should have upgraded their power forward spot for three years now. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think the I think they'll move LeBron to the four, mm-hmm. and then slide Jay down to the more natural three position. Mm-hmm. And then Channing, I mean, Channing had a good stretch lately. So, I mean, I'm not really, and he's a shooter. You know, yeah. some those guys, they just they never really seem to be unimportant they'll always make themselves available they'll always make themselves essential so if i'm the if i'm the Cavs, i'm only doing a deal that's a slam dunk for me i mm-hmm. mean the talent is there this is kind of the problem we've spoken about the Cavs a lot in previous episodes and it's not the talent that's lacking it's just that the talent is so overwhelmingly offensive oriented right that you just need some more diversity on defense and we thought this summer that that was the thing that they got with the Crowder edition and he's been yeah. so so bad so I'm just I'm honestly looking at this as some sort of second Jay Crowder acquisition like him mm-hmm. actually being able to play maybe a full-time role with love out mm-hmm. like there's no excuse not to give Jay Crowder 35 36 minutes a game in the next month right you kind of have to yeah yeah so I mean, maybe that improves it's Interesting, I think, because, you know, Channing Frye's name was being bandied around in trade rumors, particularly for George Hill. Uh, We haven't heard much on that front in the past week or so, but earlier in January, it sounded like they were pretty close to a deal for Frye plus Iman Shumpert plus maybe a second round pick for George Hill. So I do wonder if that, if the love injury, you know, them needing a power forward makes them more reluctant to part ways with Frye because um, they need his on-court presence as much. I mean, he's long been one of the more unifying presences in the locker room, mm. so his off-court presence has been vital, even if he wasn't playing a huge on-court role. But now they need him to play more of an on-court role, too. So I I do, I have a suspicion that Channing Fry probably stays put until the deadline now, and it might affect George Hilltalks or whoever else they're going after. Um, you know, maybe like... Maybe they go after a Derek Favors, who is an expiring contract after this year. I mean, if they, 
it seemed like, I mean, Nikola Mirosic would have been a good guy to go after for them, especially at, in the wake of the love injury, but the Pelicans beat them to the punch, as we mentioned last episode, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about shortly. Um, but yeah, maybe a guy like Favors, or are, are there any other power forwards that you can think of on the market that would be a good fit for them? I mean, he was on the market, but just got signed by Boston. Greg mm-hmm. Monroe a little bit. Yeah. The, the thing with Monroe is... Like he's he's become a decent interior defender. Like he was horrid for the first couple of years, mm-hmm. and he got gradually better. And in Milwaukee, I think he reached a point where he became good. Like he, not necessarily that that's sustainable, but right. he did reach a point where he it was like he he would play good post defense, and that's not what the Cavs necessarily are looking for. They need a lot of switching defense and bigs who can go out and and guard the perimeter and stuff like that, but. Even so, like just getting a good interior defender would be fine because yeah. it seems that they are so lacking in that department anyway. Right. Um, but they couldn't afford him. Obviously, he signed for was it five million with yep. Boston? Yep. Yeah. So, so no, I, I think I think there's one power forward that would fit them pretty well, but he would fit every team well, and he's going to cost a pretty penny. That's Aaron Gordon. Yep. <laughs> right. It seems like, especially given their luxury tax concerns, if, you know, God willing for them, if LeBron James resigns, if Isaiah Thomas resigns, they'd probably price themselves out of the Aaron Gordon market. So I wouldn't expect that. I'm guessing they'd go more for maybe like an Ursan Ilyasova, because I don't think he's going to cost all that much. Right. Right. And he's. But that's a, that's a good alternative. Like, he's not a bad player. No, he's a good player, and he would fit. He would fit the Kevin Love role well. He's not as good as Kevin Love by any means, but yeah, as a stretch four, you could do far worse, especially if you only have to give up a second round pick. I mean, I don't think Atlanta could reasonably expect Cleveland to give up. You know, I know their first round pick is going to be pretty low, and the it'll be in the low twenties. But I don't think you can reasonably expect a first round pick for Ursula Yasova. So to that tune, would you give up the Brooklyn pick for Aaron Gordon? Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't think so. Because I mean, best case scenario is that mm-hmm. LeBron James resigns. You still have Kevin Love under contract for another year. I don't remember off the top of my head how long Tristan Thompson has signed, but you still have him for a while as well. It's going to yeah. be an, another Orlando situation where Aaron Gordon's going to be forced to play out of position, and I don't want that. Well, you could trade Love. Yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, like, as LeBron ages, it seems like we've been pushing for him to play the four for a while now. And as oh, he yeah, ages, I feel like he's really yeah. going to have to slide more into that role, especially if this small bell revolution continues. So, I mean, I like the idea, but... I don't think I, I'm guessing they're gonna want a cheaper and mm-hmm. more veteran alternative. Then what about what if we flip it? Like if LeBron leaves, then you kind of restart the whole thing with Aaron Gordon. Yeah, but you're gonna have to pay him right away. Whereas the Brooklyn pick, whatever it is, he's gonna be on a rookie That's true. deal for four years. Yeah, but you get a guy who more than likely would become an all star right off the bat. Yeah. But then, does he make you too good? Or like, I know you're no. gonna, you're gonna suck either way. I mean, look at the magic. But yeah, like, does he? You know, if if LeBron leaves, your goal is to get the number one pick in 2019. 
Like there's, you know, you're maybe you resign yeah. Isaiah Thomas just to not lose him for anything, but like ultimately you're just gonna go right into the tank if LeBron leaves. So I feel yeah, like that makes sense. Having to commit to Aaron Gordon right away, you don't, you don't want you you want your books to be as clean as possible so you can get mm. your next star in and then start to build around them. I mean, Aaron Gordon's a great player. This is nothing against Aaron Gordon. We'll talk about him more later in the podcast. Um, I just don't know if he aligns with Cleveland's timeline either way, whether LeBron stays or goes. But a guy like Ilyasova, Favors, uh, Jared Dudley, maybe? That'd be interesting. (laughs) I mean, like... Chemistry issue-wise, yeah. Yeah, I just think you're probably going to want to go for a guy who's not going to cost all that much mm. if you're Cleveland. But he's going to move the needle. Any of those, you know, you mentioned those guys. I'm just sitting back thinking, would the needle needle be moved at all? Yeah, I mean, no. I think as long as you're starting Isaiah Thomas and Kevin Love, your defense is not going to be good enough to beat the Warriors. Mm. I don't think Cleveland is one trade away unless they could get, like, Paul George for Iman Shumpert straight up, which yeah. obviously they cannot do. But I don't think they're one trade away from being able to beat the Warriors. I think they are multiple moves away. So yeah. I'm thinking more along the lines of like just getting a guy to bridge the gap until Kevin Love comes back. And then, you know, at that point, just pray you're good enough to get out of the Eastern Conference and pray something weird happens Draymond Green starts kicking people in the nuts again Steph Curry twists his ankle and is hobbled throughout the finals who knows oh if this happens I'm so sorry for your mentions (laughs) yeah I mean it just I don't think the Cavs at this point the Cavs can't even be confident they're getting out of the Eastern Conference back at much less back to the final you know they need to concern themselves more with how do we beat the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors, then how do we beat the Golden State Warriors? Because it... it you know. <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> like, yeah, honestly, that's where we're at, again. Yeah, but, like, the downgrade from Kyrie to Isaiah Thomas is real. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that hip... Was it the hip flexor? Yeah. Or what... Yeah. The hip injury, whatever it was. Yeah, what is... Yeah. That, that was legit. Yeah. And it's... I mean, it's going to... That lowers their upside because, like, Kyrie, no one is mistaking him for an elite defender, but Isaiah Thomas is one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Yep. So that is a major downgrade defensively. And, like, you know, hopefully, Isaiah Thomas has been pretty bad on offense, too. Hopefully, as he gets back into game shape and as he gets more comfortable with his teammates, you know, maybe we don't see, like, the all NBA version of Isaiah Thomas that we did last year, but hopefully he's at least back to like an all-star caliber player once the playoffs roll around. But defensively, there's nothing you can do. He's five foot nine. Like that's, you know, there's only so much he could do. And he's, he was always going to be a weak link. Whereas Kyrie, not great defensively, but but six, three, right. He's at least like, can be decent at times. Yeah. And then you have Wade and Rose, mm-hmm. who are just abysmal defenders. Yep. Which would... isn't going to help you anything. Yeah. No. So, yeah. I, I mean, I expect the Cleveland Cavaliers to make a move between now and Thursday. 
I'm wondering if they have changed their focus. You know, they were linked to George Hill. Um, I wonder if they changed their focus now and they kind of focus more on the front court. And, you know, the Tristan Thompson was dangled around reportedly for the likes of DeAndre Jordan and Marcus Saul. It seems like both of those teams wanted the Brooklyn pick. I don't know. It's going to be a fascinating week in Cleveland, as if nothing else, because Ken Berger Bleacher Report also came out with a story this week that suggested Dan Gilbert has basically assumed control of, you know, they were asking, like, who do you get in touch with if you want to make a deal with Cleveland? They're like, oh, Dan Gilbert, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens in Cleveland. The other big story for them this week was from Chris Haynes of ESPN. I don't remember what day he released this story. It was like Wednesday or Thursday, I think, and he dropped it like <laughs> 2 in the morning Eastern time. And then it was like, oh, by the way, LeBron James would entertain a meeting, a free agent meeting with the Warriors this summer if they carved no. up en- enough cap space to if offer they him a max deal. <laughs> That's just so out in the theoretical. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You, so you're not you're not sweating a super, super team in the Bay Area next year, Mort? Look, this is like someone coming up to the 16-year-old version of me and going, you know what? If you were a little bit older, and if you were not fat, and you were actually very, very hot, you could maybe get a meeting with a prime Selma Hayek. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Like, right. it means nothing. LeBron himself was also, like, it means nothing. KD yeah. was out there going, yeah, yeah, people talk, right? Right. It, it was pretty much universally disregarded right off the bat. And yeah. good on you, internet, for doing yeah. that. Yeah. Of course, you had the few loons who were going all about, oh, snake, LeBron is a snake. Right. <laughs> like, it was like it was confirmed. Yeah. Well, you have to wonder, because he earlier in the week, at, when he was talking about the Blake Griffin uh, trade, he was saying, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's really interesting that when a player wants to leave, as you said, he gets called a snake and a traitor, as Kevin Durant was with Golden State, and as LeBron was mm-hmm. in Miami. But when a team does it, it's just like, that's good for business. So mm-hmm. then... You know, conspiracy Brian comes out and is like, oh, I wonder if he he just, like, strategically said that a couple days before his camp. I mean, let's be clear. This report came from LeBron James's camp. That's that, if nothing else, that much is obvious. I don't know if there's anything to take away from that other than, like, no shit he's going to take a meeting with the defending champion and probably two-time defending champion if they can carve out the cap space for him. Of Which course, they can't. Right. I mean, it, it would be very difficult for them to do so, if not impossible. But, like, yeah, of course he's going to do that if he can. But let's not, like, start mocking, you know, every sports mm-hmm. website does a jersey mock-up of him in a Golden State Warriors uniform, like, two hours after this report comes out. Of course they did. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's pump the brakes on that. LeBron James, I'm pretty, you know, I... <laughs> I am very confident in saying LeBron James will not be a Golden State Warrior next year. I'm not going to pretend to know where he will go, whether he stays in Cleveland or goes elsewhere, but I'm confident enough to say that he's not going to the Warriors. Kevin Durant going there two years ago, or whatever, a year ago, I guess, uh, that was a confluence of events, most notably the most unprecedented salary camp jump in NBA history. That is not happening this year let's let's chill like lebron might not be a cleveland cavalier in 2018-19 but he is not going to the golden state warriors the end 
I'm glad. Yeah, right. I'm He's glad. going to Houston. That's fine. He might go to Houston. He could go to the Lakers. He's not going to the Clippers. Sorry, Clippers. You you blew your load with the Blake Griffin trade. You're you're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Maybe he goes to the Sixers. Who knows? The Spurs are mentioned as well. Like there are there are plenty of places he could wind up. Golden State Warriors are not one of them. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Uh, pretty much. I'm glad we <laughs> or not we you covered that. That's fine. So, more last time we recorded uh, was Tuesday. It mm. was right when Vinny Goodwill of NBC Sports Chicago reported that the Bulls had agreed to trade Nikola Miritich to the New Orleans Pelicans for Omer Sheik in a first-round pick. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN quickly swooped in, said the deal had fallen apart for now. Yep. When we recorded, we both suspected that the deal would come together in the coming days we just figured it was a matter of working out the final kinks two days later that exact thing happened Woj broke mm-hmm. the news thursday um the bulls are sending Mir- or have sent miritich and they're a 2018 second round pick to the pelicans for a chic tony allen jameer nelson and a first round pick this year it is top five protected next year i believe it is top eight protected correct i want to say the year after that it was top nine protected is that right that is how i understand it and if it hasn't been conveyed it becomes a second round pick yeah but in all likelihood barring an absolute catastrophe they will get a pick this year somewhere in the mid first round yeah but yes i'm also a little bit unsure because i saw Casey Johnson from the Chicago Tribune actually say that on the third year it would be unprotected. So hmm. well, there's a little bit. Sense. Yeah, I'm not sure either. If it's unprotected, it's... then it could never turn into two second round picks. Exactly, which is why I'm sort of like, was that the is it, what what's the legitimate here? Like, yeah. does it convey into a second rounder at at, at all, mm-hmm. or does it just become unprotected uh-huh. in what would be 2020? Right. Yeah. So there are two reports out there, but it doesn't matter because it's top five protected as you just alluded to, which means more than likely the Bulls are getting it this very season, which is important as well because this is a good year to have two first round draft picks. Yeah, they, we should also mention they have now have the right to swap 2021 second round picks That's with right. Pelicans as well. But so more we covered the Miritich in New Orleans, how he fits and all that stuff in the last episode. So if anyone missed it, go check that out. Um, When we recorded on Tuesday, we were saying, well, to evaluate this fairly from Chicago's end, we need to see the final terms of the deal, particularly what the protections are on that first round pick. So now that we know, how do you feel about the deal on the Bulls end? It's a good deal. I mean, look, this would have been a problem had it been top 15 protected. But mm-hmm. top five, that's that's brilliant. So theoretically, the Bulls could get the sixth pick. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't think New Orleans can actually drop that low, not going to think right. about it. Right, It but, would take, I mean, but you never know. if, Like, if Anthony Davis gets hurt, I mean, knock on wood, I do not oh, yeah. want any more injuries nope. this season. We've had plenty. Nope. But... Yep. Yeah, I mean, it takes one Anthony Davis injury, and that pick goes from mid-first round to top ten. That, exactly. So, it's a good deal. It's a very good deal. Right now, it's slotted at 19th. I don't think it's going to stay there necessarily, mm-hmm. but it might. 
Uh, and and if if that's the case, eh, that's then it's fair value for Meritage, and it's also a decent asset that you could package with, you know, whatever the 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 pick that the Chicago's own pick lands. Like if that lands at sixth where it's slotted right now, then you can package those two and maybe move up to like the fourth or third pick. Who knows? Yeah. It just gives them another asset to get closer to getting a very very good player or getting two guys. It's really up to the Bulls, but I I'm, I think the value is decent. Uh, I don't think there's any particular reason to look down at guard packs for this deal. Sure, the the inclusion of the 2018 second rounder was a little bit ballsy mm-hmm. because <laughs> yeah. it seems like whenever they do a trade, they have to you know include a second round pick just for the hell of it. They just really hate second round picks. Can someone tell them yeah, they, that they're actually valuable? Yeah, look, I, I have this feeling that if you took a, a picture of the Bulls draft war room, <laughs> there's only like one board, and that's the first round, and yeah, then it's just, it just like a big question 30. mark. <laughs> right. And then when when the draft on ESPN goes to the second round, they're just looking at each other befuddlingly, like, what is this? Is this, <laughs> right. is this, for, the, is this for the G League? We're not sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> not sure what it is. But but someone wants to buy it. Great, sell it. Doesn't matter. Three point five um, million. Oh my god. Yeah, free money. Yeah. Coffee makers for everyone. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but so we'll we'll see what they do. But uh, overall, Nico, he wanted out. Um, yeah. I had heard as well, privately, that he wanted out. And I think I even said this on the podcast a couple of uh, episodes, or not now, well, more than a couple of episodes ago, though, that his camp just went silent, mm-hmm. which was very telling, yeah. <laughs> because apparently now it makes sense. The Bulls have promised him, you know, we'll do something. Just don't say anything <laughs> right. to anyone. Just, just be quiet. Up. Be a yeah. professional. Right. And then to, to Nico's credit, like, he is a pro. Like, yeah. John Paxson came out afterwards, like, Nico yeah. was so professional about the whole thing. And he was. Nico yeah. was extremely professional about the whole thing. Um, so, so I think this is one of those rare win-win-wins. You know, Nico lands a good spot. Pelicans gets, you know, a significant upgrade. And the Bulls get a decent pick. It's it's good. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I, like, when we were talking about the trade last time, I think I asked you, like, what is the lowest amount of protection you would do this for. And you said, like, probably lottery protected, top 15 protected. Yeah. That's where both of us thought it would be. Like, maybe, best case scenario, top 10 protected. So, mm-hmm. top five is great. Like, that pick is conveying this year, yep. barring a complete catastrophe over the last 30 games. But, like, in all likelihood, it's not going to be a Nerland's Noel situation where it's a fake first-round pick. This is a real first-round exactly. pick. Right. I have a feeling, this is this is just me. I haven't read this anywhere, but I have a feeling that the Bulls had a couple offers on the table. One of them being from Utah, mm-hmm. because supposedly Nico wanted to go to Utah, right? And Lord knows they wanted to pair Donovan Mitchell with a stretch guy yeah. at the big positions, yep. making that making it sense. So I could see them probably offering the Bulls if heavily. Uh, protected first round draft pick because they are not inclined to to sacrifice their future because they want to build something special around Mitchell. Yep, and Gobert. 
and Gobert, obviously. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, Rudy. <laughs> don't don't swat me, please. Yeah. Don't, Donovan Mitchell don't is not the only good player in Utah. More that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's because I'm sitting here thinking offensively, yeah, like yeah, in yeah. terms of how they fit together. You're absolutely right. But like, if if Utah had an offer on the table to the to the Bulls from Miritich saying uh, we would give you a pick that's like top 15 protected, yeah, maybe that was just a sweetener for for New Orleans going. You know what? Top five protected. How about right. it? You right. you know it's conveying. We'll just we'll just try to sell it to our fan base that if something goes wrong, you know we're secure. Yeah, like everyone knows that pick is conveying. Yeah, and, and I know people are shitting on the Bulls for giving up the second round pick because it's just funny, especially with the Jordan Bell situation from last year. But and the Duck McDermott's rate. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it does sound like I forget who reported it. It might have been Casey Johnson. Um, it sounds like that was kind of the sweetener they needed for New Orleans to take on the second year of Miritich's deal. As we yeah. discussed last time, Miritich had veto power unless mm. the Bulls exercised his 2018-19 team option. At you know When the trade news first broke on Tuesday, Woj said that the Pelicans were reluctant to do so because if they did that and then re-signed Boogie to a max, they're already bumping up against the luxury tax. Um so they did ultimately accept the, the team option uh, to guarantee his salary for next year, which is what he wanted, and it prevented him from vetoing the trade. So yeah, yeah. you buying that? Yeah, I mean, if you had, well, yeah, kind of. So wait, so so you're telling me that essentially the Pelicans just play just paid twelve and a half million for a second round draft pick? No, I'm telling you that the Pelicans. They, I mean, they got out of a Sheik's contract. Like the Bulls just paid fourteen and a half million for a first round draft pick. The Pelicans. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like no, but I mean, on the on the Nico option thing. Oh, I like, see. Like that was yeah, the sweetener. Yeah. Well, like, no, because they they want Nico. I mean, exactly. he's a good player. Like they're not upset that he's going to stay there next year, but they are notoriously cheap. It wouldn't surprise me if they did not want, if they expressed some hesitation initially mm. about picking up that option because of luxury tax concerns. I do buy that. It, but it is it just seems to me the Bulls they they do always they always do this thing where they throw something in there because they yeah. don't really, you know, value it as much. <laughs> right. Like right. last year number 16 in the Jimmy Butler oh, trade. Man. I mean, yeah. look, let's be honest. That deal was going to get made without the inclusion of 16. It's Jimmy Butler, man. Yeah. And then this the the sale of Jordan the Jordan Bell pick like what was it the 30 39th Yep. Pick? Yeah. Uh, 38th, that's, I want to say. 38th, yeah. right. So that's essentially a first-round pick as well. Right. And then the inclusion of the second-rounder in McDermott's trade, and now the inclusion of the second-rounder here. It's just, when you look at it, it adds up. Like, it yeah. is significant value that you, down the road, end up accumulating that you send away. Yeah. Which is a little bit weird, especially for a team that is so clearly rebuilding. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, but if that's... If the holdup was just give us an extra second round pick, yeah, fine. Yeah. Like that's a worthy sacrifice, especially given the light protections on the first rounder. Right. Like the yeah. going price of a first round pick. I mean, dating back to like Sam Hinkie picked up JaVale McGee for around the same price to get a first mm. rounder. And it was, I believe it was all, I think it was lottery protected or at least like it was not only top five protected. It was much, it was more heavily protected than that. So Right, this deal is one where it doesn't hurt as much. 
Yeah, and the Bulls yeah. for the Bulls, cap, salary cap space doesn't matter right now. They're not going to be major free agent players. It is this is the smart way for rebuilding teams to use salary cap space. Mm. Take on bad contracts from other teams to extract better assets, whether it's a pick or a young player. Good on you, Bulls. Like this is yep. this is a smart move. It I, more, I know it pains you to praise Garfax, but this no, no. one this, like I, I think this is one of the least offensive things they've done in years. Yeah. Look, look, here's the thing. I, I am not sitting here going, you know, I'll screw them for doing something good. That's fun. No, I mean, if you do something good, you you deserve praise. Yeah. But my, my, the thing is, when some when they do something that, that unintentionally works out, mm-hmm. cough cough, Laurie Markinen. Right. 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 Then that's not something I'm going to give them credit for. Fair. Because they didn't even take a meeting with him. Yeah. I mean, look, there's legitimate concern about them not doing their homework. That's what I have a problem with. This deal yeah. specifically, it's fine. I don't think it's a clear-cut slam dunk. I mean, I, I think it's fine. If they were if they were to do, like, you know, the Pau Gasol to L.A. Lakers deal mm-hmm. without, you know, one thing coming back is Marc Gasol, but if they did, like, a complete steal on trade, sure, I'm going to give them credit. That's fine. Yeah. But... I want to add this. The guy coming out afterwards talking about the trade was John Paxson. Mm-hmm. It is night and day when you hear John Paxson talk as opposed to Gar Foreman and when John Paxson explains the narrative. Mm. Because, and I think that is partly why the whole Bulls fan base have just soured on Gar Foreman specifically. I think you, if you surveyed every Bulls fan, it would be like, who, do, who would you want to get to see fired of those two? It would be 100% Gar Foreman. Mm-hmm. Solely. So if John Paxson is truly more of going into like the day-to-day operations, I'm honestly a little bit more optimistic than I was a year ago. Hmm. He's right. just smarter. So soon we will not say it's your former team. You might be ready to rekindle your relationship. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've enjoyed being single, Brian. <laughs> I won't tell Victoria. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> All right, Mort, let's move to another team in the Central Division, the Milwaukee Bucks, who got a splash of good news and a splash of bad news this week. As they do yes. when it relates to Jabari Parker injuries, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, as you alluded to last year, when the night Chris Middleton went came back from his hamstring injury is the night that Jabari went down with his torn ACL. Um, this past Monday, the Bucks announced that Jabari would be making his season debut on Friday against the Knicks. The night before, Malcolm Brogdon went down with a partially left, a partially torn left quad tendon that's going to knock him out for the next six to eight weeks. So again, as they get a contributor back. They lose yeah. one. They are not the full strength Bucks. Uh, more, I mean, I guess a thoughts on how the Brogdon injury affects them, if if notably, and B, Parker made his debut last night and looked, you know, surprisingly good for a guy who played limited minutes. Yeah, I got to the line six times in fifteen minutes. Was explosive. Yeah, I mean that was. I, I, I'm so glad to see it. I was really nervous. Like, two ACL tears in Me the too. same knee. Yeah. I mean, we just have to assume that his age is really playing, you know, a, a huge part in this and paying dividends for him. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, what is he, 22, 22, 23? Yeah. Something along those lines. And and as to the whole uh, Malcolm Brockton thing, they, they lose debt. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really the biggest thing. They lose a lot of debt. Um, they, they, they need more. They need to have everybody healthy if they're going to make a deep playoff run. Yep. I think they're capable. It seems they found themselves a little bit more after the kid, kid fire. Mm-hmm. I think they're what five, five and five and one, five and two, something along those lines. It's pretty pretty good. Yeah, is my point. So now that you lose a significant contributor for six to eight weeks, it's just such a blow yeah. because having everyone back and on the same page would just be huge for him. And it's also it's kind of forcing Jabari to rush back a little bit more. Like he played fifteen minutes. Now you might have to bump that up a little bit ahead of schedule. And if you're adamant to not do it, which it would be my advice because you shouldn't rush it, right? Then you'd have to give up minutes. You have to give minutes to like what Matthew Dellavedova, yeah, Tony Snell, just bumping those up a whole bunch. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the best alternative, but you might have to do it, and then you end up sacrificing a few wins properly, properly. Yeah, I mean Snell played 35 minutes against the Knicks last night. Delhi right. played 27. So yeah, as Jabari. They said they were going to keep him on a 15-minute limit in his debut. They did so. you got to mm-hmm. figure if he has no setbacks in the coming weeks, his playing time will increase, and hopefully that means fewer minutes for some of the complimentary guys. But you're right, Mort. I think it's just it's a blow for their depth. I mean, I, you know, we've, we've flirted with the Bucks as a dark horse finals contender all year. And yep. I think the full-strength Bucks really could be. Um I'm fascinated to see what happens with them in the coming days. They've been linked, you know, they've long been linked to DeAndre Jordan. Recently, Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders has also mentioned them. They're they're kind of trying to get Hassan Whiteside out of Miami. It sounds like, and I don't hmm. and I don't know what they would. They'd probably have to include Jabari in that deal. It's probably going to be something like John Henson, Jabari, and then maybe they give up like. Rashad Vaughn or something like that, or first rounders. Or they just go for it. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. I would hate giving up Jabari or one of the the, the core pieces because you need to add to this core. You don't need to to trade some of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it just made complete sense. I I would look for the, because the box of where they are, I would just say screw first rounders, trade them, go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, so and that's not yeah. They they do already owe their 2018 first rounder to Phoenix. It is heavily protected. Correct. It only conveys if it's between 11 and 16. Yeah. Uh, so they could trade a the earliest they can trade is a 2020 first rounder. In all likelihood, that would not convey until 2021 at the earliest. But they can trade their draft pick on draft night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So if they well, keep it, yeah. If they keep it, they could yeah. Yes, that is true. That That's obviously not during the season here. That would be after the trade line, after the conclusion of the season, so it wouldn't help them make a finals run now. But mm-hmm. they could eventually, if they don't make it, get a deal done now, they could revisit it in the summer. Yes, they could at least yeah. trade their 2018 first-rounder. No, they couldn't, because they would still owe their 2019 first-rounder. Yeah, but isn't there a thing when it's on actual draft night? Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's not a future pick anymore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that yeah. Th- then it's a current pick. Right. 
Yes, that's true. Yeah, once they spend it on a player, I believe they would be allowed to trade that. Yeah, and then you could have a deal sitting there, and Milwaukee could tell them, pick this guy for us. Right, but then that yeah. takes them out of the running for DeAndre Jordan, at least. Hassan Whiteside signed for two more years. That's so probably maybe. a good thing. Yeah, right. I'm not I'm not taking the whole DeAndre Jordan to Milwaukee thing. Everyone talks about it like this. Oh, this is this is perfect. This is going to... This is gonna go down, and it, everything that they are that they need is gonna be solved. No, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Look, look, look at DeAndre Jordan. He's still not a strong free throw shooter. Yeah, uh, Hassan is at least he's got the potential to be a lot better. He right. has had some very good season from the line compared to the DeAndre De, Drummond and DeAndre Jordan types. <laughs> right. I right. should I shouldn't crab on Drummond because he's gotten a lot better. But you know what I mean. Yeah. He comes with severe limitations, yes. whereas Hassan Whiteside is a more complete player. Mm-hmm. You can also count on him to get a lot of points. You yep. can count on him to get a lot of blocks. He's not the best of playmakers, but you know, doesn't that he doesn't need to be because hi Giannis. Yeah, right. So it's it's not a problem. I would go for Hassan even if it costs a little bit more because he's the right guy. Yeah, and the fact that he's signed for two more years, you at least know that helps what you're getting into whereas deandre jordan i mean we've talked about him before he's player option for 24.1 million next year he is probably going to decline that mm-hmm. you know i don't know that he's gonna find a starting salary that high this summer but just maybe the security of a long-term deal is better than even if he takes a slight discount in terms of annual salary he yeah. just may want to rest easy knowing he's got like what four million Four years, ninety to a hundred million locked up. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Hassan, he's also older, by the way. Yeah, like Hassan's Definitely. also on a big deal. I mean, he's another four year, I think, a ninety eight point four million, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, it's gonna probably end up being around the same price again. I don't think DeAndre Jordan's getting a max contract this summer, but just having that security of knowing, all right, this is what we're paying for him for the next two years, and yeah. if. If Milwaukee is at, I think the only way this deal goes down is if Milwaukee is at all reluctant to pay Jabari as a restricted free agent. What they, you know, may they'd probably have to kind of gauge what they think he's going to get. Like mm-hmm. if he's if he's going to get a max deal, I would also be nervous. But if there's no one out there that's willing to offer him more than fifteen twenty million. You probably just have to grin and bear it, right? Really? I mean, you like the fit? No, I'm not. I'm not crazy about the fit. I've never been. I mean, I, I think Giannis is best suited to play the nominal four, which is where Jabari is also best suited. So, yeah. no, <laughs> is the mm. short answer. But I mean, it, it's it comes down to like a what the Clippers did with Blake griffin it's like maybe you just re-sign him to trade him later yeah the thing is though does deandre jordan has trade value uh, <laughs> depends what he gets yeah well obviously but even so i i just don't see anyone standing in line for a deandre jordan oh you mean like between now and thursday or both now or later on yeah like i I, even if he signs a somewhat respectable deal Mm -hmm. i just have a feeling that a lot of teams would go yeah you know okay we improve our defense ish right 
we downgrade severely offensively. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this? What does he contribute? Yeah, I think I. I mean, I know it's. I am crapping on DeAndre Jordan. I think he's drastically overrated. Yeah. Oh, you don't buy Doc Rivers hyping him as the defensive player no. of the year every year? No, I'm no, shocked. that 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 was that was. Uh, I'll say this though, that was unfair to DeAndre. Yeah, it was. That was always unfair to him because that was not who he was. Right. And then that made him sort of a target for everyone. Mm-hmm. And every announcer started kind of buying Doc's hype. Right. And he got viewed in a completely different light. Yeah. Which was unfair. Yeah. Well, because, so, I mean, he is yeah. a great rebounder. I mean, he's one of the best rebounders yep. in the NBA. But his shot blocking has plunged this season. I think he's around 1.0 per game right now, which is... Something like a six-year low, I want to say, somewhere around there. Yeah, like it's I, actually it's actually the the lowest it's been since his sophomore season, where he played sixteen minutes per game. So you when go. you look at it from a per thirty-six minute, he's at one point one, which is definitely a career low. And I want like to say his, <laughs> his block percentage is also a career yep. low right now. Oh yeah, obviously it's two point five. Yeah, that's half of his career number, which is five. There you go. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with Milwaukee in the next couple of days, but mm. I, I don't think the Brogdon injury will change their plans all that much. I'm guessing they're still going to prioritize a rim protector above all else, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they are one of the more active teams over the coming days. Yep. Uh, more, let's go to the Boston Celtics, or I guess the New Orleans Pelicans, too, because the Pelicans were going after Greg Monroe, hometown kid. They can offer him the starting spot in place of DeMarcus Cousins. He turned them down. He chased the money or the chance to most likely make the finals. Signed with yep. the Boston Celtics once he cleared waivers on a one-year, $5 million deal, or just you know whatever. He's, he's signed through right. the rest of this season. Uh, the Celtics had a disabled player exception, I believe, from Gordon Hayward, which they used to pay mm-hmm. him with that. We we spoke briefly about this before the episode started, but let's let's go into it now, Mort. How do you feel about the fit of Monroe in Boston? I'm not digging it, to be honest with you. A, a lot of Boston success is, surrounds their ability to switch, mm-hmm. and the it they're generally unpredictable offensively mm-hmm. there are a lot of movement a lot of cutting and seeking out the the open three and it's just a lot of movement greg can pass from the interior but he's a post-up guy primarily he's not a shooter and he, he's he, the whole offense just becomes predictable when he's inside like you dump him the ball and then he'll get you something mm-hmm. i think what he offers is going to Limit what you can get otherwise in a more free-flowing system. Now, I don't think you can pigeonhole Greg. I had this conversation with a couple people when he signed. Because people were coming saying, oh, he's, he's just going to play the Aaron Bynes, Baines role. Where he comes mm-hmm. in and rebounds and that's it. No, you can't change a player's DNA. Right. Like, you can't ask him just to become like a DeAndre Jordan type player. Coming in rebound and don't score. Like yeah. His strength is to score. So when you sign him, you know that he's going to take a lot of shots. He's going yeah. to be a volume type of scorer. And I I don't think that's the type of guy 
you benefit from greatly in Boston. That said, I don't think it's going to hurt them to the point that they're going to lose games because of him. Mm-hmm. I just think that now when he's on the court, you are going to have to ask more from the four guys sharing the court with him sure. than you would without him, which yeah. makes him somewhat of a net negative, but not necessarily to the point where they'll lose games. Sure, they might improve on the glass. I hope they do because that shouldn't be difficult, honestly. <laughs> right. But he's not going to be a guy who's... I think I know how to say it. He's not a plug-and-play player. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. You have to tailor stuff for him, like, considerably to make it work. He's just not that type of player you can just insert into everything like a a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown who works in just about any lineup. Yeah. I think that is a fair critique of Monroe. Um, I mean, it depends on what Boston is expecting from him. Like, if they mm-hmm. thought he was going to come in, be a 35-minute-per-game starter, take Aaron Baines's place, I would be very worried. I don't yeah. think that would be the optimal use of him. If he's coming in to anchor the bench, play 20 minutes a night, you know, be a dependable second-unit scorer, I think it's fine. I mean, I think it's a pretty low-risk acquisition. You know, worst case scenario, he does not fit in well there, and they just keep him on the bench, which is what Phoenix was doing and what Milwaukee was doing at the start of the year. I mean, there's no, if it doesn't work, there's no pressure to play him because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year anyway. So that I agree with. Like that you know, I, I mean, but you have to understand when you say come in and like score off the bench, mm-hmm. that has to be on his terms. Like yeah. again, it, it, he becomes a volume scorer. That's not what you're looking for if you're Boston. You're not looking for volume scoring. Mm-hmm. You're looking for a guy who can incorporate himself himself into the grand scheme of things. One who can move the ball. One who can find cutters. One who can find shooters on the weak side. One who can move to the tune of the offense and not be a guy who has to dictate how the offense is run around him. Mm-hmm. So, while well, I get what you're saying. and I mean, look, he's undoubtedly going to have a playoff game or two where he comes in off the bench. He plays 15 minutes, and he gets like 15 points, 12 rebounds, a lot of them offensive, and just breathes a little bit of life into it. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but you're going to ignore like 20 games where he might not do all that. Right. So right. I agree with you that if things get mucky, he can just sit on the bench and come in and play you know, garbage time. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's a little bit below his pay grade, maybe? Yes. But that is what it is. I think it's very unfortunate he did not sign in New Orleans. I I mean, for his own sake, I agree. Just like in thinking about his next contract, he would have had more of a chance to sign or to shine in New Orleans than he will in Boston, where he's going to play a much more limited role. I I have a question, though. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm pulling up the list of coaches that he's played for. Right. He's played for Lawrence Frank. Yep. Mo Cheeks, yep. uh, John Lawyer, Stan Van Gundy for a year. Mm. I believe he played for John Cooster for a year as well. Mm. And then Jason Kidd. Yeah. I hate to like glamorize the whole, you know, Brad Stevens is a magician thing. But are we sure? And he also played for Jason Kidd, obviously, in Milwaukee. Right, right, right. Are we sure this is like the peak of Greg Monroe? Or is there a chance that Brad Stevens 
kind of unlock something in him that we haven't seen before. Because I'm thinking dating back to his Georgetown days, mm-hmm. like Greg Monroe is a good passer. We haven't yes. seen it that much in the NBA. But I'm wondering if in Boston's system we start to see that a little more. And maybe they operate with him out of the high post in that second unit. And that gives that second unit a little extra spice. That's the problem, though. Here's the thing. Because if you are a passer out of the post, especially in today's league, Mm -hmm. you are looking at the weak side to throw the ball because defenses are just too quick. Like, if he plays on the strong side, like, tries to pass to the strong side, mm-hmm. you're not going to get open shots. Mm-hmm. He, when you play from the post, you telegraph everything that you do. So, I mean, look, I would love for nothing more than to eat my words. Yeah. And and say that Brad Stevens is a genius and he completely unlocked Greg Monroe. And I will give him this. Stevens is probably the best coach that Monroe is ever going to play for, at least from now. At least played for in his career. Mm-hmm. And that's even going up against Stan Van Gundy. Which is saying something because Brad is a hell of a coach. Yeah. But you just have that lacking element of being able to pass when you're outside the three-point line. Mm-hmm. That's and Look at Boogie. Look yeah. at the bigs who take threes, even Kristaps and stuff like that. Yep. Like, they can pass from the post. They can pass from on top of the three-point line. They can pass in movement. Mm-hmm. And they can pass off the dribble. They can do all these things. Whereas Monroe is more stationary, yep. and he will have to like hold the ball and look. There is a little bit of the Carmelo Anthony factor in him, like where he has to have the ball in his hands and where, with no active dribble, mm-hmm. and he has to look up and survey the court, mm-hmm. which takes that additional second or two. And in Boston's system specifically, that's a second or two where you just can't really afford because there's a whole bunch of movement going on. <laughs> right, right. I want to. I want to believe it. And I'm. I want to see him do well in Boston. Mm-hmm. I just have severe doubts. I think it was. A, I think it's a bad fit. But again, like I said, I don't think it's going to cost them games. Yeah. No. I, I, I just think they have to strain themselves a little bit more. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, yeah, I mean the fact he is zero for twelve from three point range, so he is by no means a unicorn. This is in his oh, yeah. NBA career. So, what eight years at this point? So, yeah, I mean, he's very much not, like, the stereotypical modern big. Maybe maybe Brad Stevens unlocks his three-point shot, too. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> this guy, like, this year, 3.4 feet on the average shot distance. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, yeah, I- I'm interested. I mean, for Greg's sake, I hope he does well, just as a Georgetown homer. Um mm. Yeah, Jeff Green had some of his best years in Boston, so maybe it's just a Georgetown Boston connection. We'll we'll find out. Or maybe, like maybe they are gonna use him as just a role man. That would be good. Just yeah, I mean that would be interesting as well. Just I mean just ignore everything that's spacing and just go. You know what? I don't. Care. Let's just let's just force it in the paint and because he can't draw fouls. Yeah. So maybe just like a Kyrie breakdown. You know, with him doing. I don't know what kind of dribble. He can do every <laughs> dribble that he wants. Right. Get himself just a little bit open and then bounce pass inside the key to Monroe, who just like is the last point of the attack. And you know, why not? Yeah. Just force feed him in a way. Dude, screw Kyrie Irving. Terry Roger pick and rolls. Let's go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, why not? That's actually the guy he's probably gonna play alongside in the second unit more. That's true. That's true. Just don't. I don't want to see Monroe 
And Marcus Smart shared the court. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, luckily Marcus Smart like punched a wall and lacerated his hand, and that sounds like he's going to be out through the All Star break. So yeah, Monroe will at least have a couple games to get used to his new surroundings before right. He's got to share the court with a fellow non-spacer. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to revive our "Where Amazing Happens" segment this week because we need to talk about two. Two really, truly amazing stories in the NBA. One, just shout out to the Golden State Warriors. Um, Red Panda, <laughs> yeah, famed <laughs> halftime entertainer who, you know, I'm sure everyone know, who's listening to this knows who she is, but rides the unicycle, kicks bowls up onto her head. Just fantastic entertainment. Uh, had her unicycle stolen from the airport and it apparently cost like $25,000. Like it's a yeah. custom made whole thing. Um, the Warriors, light years ahead of the rest of the NBA, have stepped up, <laughs> and they are going to give her a replacement unicycle. So, just shout out to the Golden State Warriors for their charity. Uh, it's 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 like it's really nice to see the NBA family come together. And I know this is like a stupid thing to come together over. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I hate to even make this connection. But, like, when Craig Sager got sick, like, the entire NBA community just came together oh, dude, and really rallied behind start, him. Yeah, but you just did not just compare I, It is a much, right, a much, much less, <laughs> you know, serious situation. But it's still oh, nice man. that, like, when someone in the NBA community falls upon hard yeah. times, the rest of them come and pick them up. It's, it's I a was, nice... I was, yeah yeah it's not like i was just kidding i was just kidding obviously um so two things one kudos yeah to the warriors but also kudos to the warriors pr team because Mm -hmm. that is something that they are on top like oh this is gonna this is gonna look good in the headlights let's go let's go uh secondarily if red panda can get her a new unicycle why has nobody stepped up to give Charlie Villanueva a new toilet? Now? <laughs> it's a fair question, Bort. I do not know. Like, I mean, shit. Like, yeah. literally, where is he supposed to shit? <laughs> I'm going to assume he has more than one toilet in his house. Something tells I mean, me. Damn. But, yeah. That's, like, I, I just don't understand. We, I, the, whole, the whole Twitter was on this case. Like, yeah. we need to find Charlie Villanueva's toilet, man. Yeah. Nobody found it. I know. I mean, Twitter detectives fail again. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Warriors, be fair. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I know he never played for you. Doesn't matter. Red Panda never suited up for you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Share the wealth, Warriors. Come yeah. on. It's just a toilet. Yeah. Uh, all right. The other less less good, amazing, more bad, amazing story of the week is that the New York Knicks and Joakim Noah have, quote, mutually agreed that the Veteran Center will not return it to the club until further notice, according to Ian Begley of ESPN.com. He has been exiled from the Knicks since January 25th after a dispute with head coach Jeff Hornacek. Uh, it sounds like Noah was just pissed that he got pulled from a game. He yeah. hasn't been playing all that much. He's buried behind you know, not only Ennis Cantor, but also... Uh, Kyle Quinn and um, Willie Hernan Gomez, who mm-hmm. is likewise frustrated with the Knicks logjam. Understandably. Yep. Uh, Mort, I know Noah is near and dear to your heart. Oh, yeah. 
How are you feeling about this Noah Nick situation? I'm... Oh, that's a good question. I don't think I really have any emotions to it other than Noah shouldn't do what he did. Yeah. Um, but I also think that the Knicks put this on themselves with the deal. Totally. And with having, I mean, look, I think it's, I, I want to pivot a little bit because I see a lot of fans on Twitter just go crazy and call Noah this and that. And, you know, he, <laughs> when you are presented with a contract of $72 million, you're going to sign it. Like, yeah. Why should we sit here and be upset at Jan Mahimi, Timothy Moscow, Luol Deng, Joachim Noah, Evan Turner, whatever, Alan Crabb, mm-hmm. Demari Carroll? I mean, all those guys. Yep. It's no, obviously, you sign the deal presented to you if it, even if it's way above market value. Yeah. And people are making the contract out to be Noah's fault, which I have a tremendous problem with. That's not his. I mean, why would that be? Like, no, you would sign that same deal. I'm looking at, again, I made this joke approximately 16,000 times, but I'm doing it, gonna do it again. Brian, we just needed 1 million. Yeah. Hell just, yeah. I mean, just shave 1 million off that deal and give it to us, man. That, I mean, right. Um, it's what he's doing is weird, but I also think he's looking at his paycheck and going, well, wait a second. I'm one of the highest paid players on the team. Right. Doesn't that mean I should play? Yeah. Isn't that you you gave me all that money? I, New York is my home team. What you haven't really given me a shot since I came here. Mm-hmm. I've played 53 games for the Knicks so far in 2 years. Where's my chance? Yeah. And obviously he's not that good anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's that explains it and that's typical of players that age not really recognizing where they're at. He's about to turn 33. Sure. But even so, the Knicks put themselves in this mess. Yeah. Or I should say Phil Jackson did. Right. And yeah. right. So this is just about cutting your losses. Uh apparently the Knicks are not um you know, ruling out the possibility of giving up a significant asset to move Noah. Yeah, reports have been conflicted on that. So right. uh, Begley says, or he, he said, league sources told Adrian Wojnarowski that the Knicks are unwilling to attach significant future draft assets or young Knicks players to incentivize a team to take on Noah. But Steve Kyler, a basketball insider, said they were at least considering yeah. moving a first-round pick to get off of his contract. And it's difficult because he has two years remaining yeah. after this year. Right. Uh, let's see, if eighteen and a half and nineteen point three. Yeah. Wolf. Yeah. Right. I mean, if it's that is bad. If think about what the Bulls just got for Nico, took back a chic. I mean, they effectively mm-hmm. paid fourteen and a half million for a top five protected first round pick to get out of yeah. Noah's deal. You're either giving up a pick and a young player. Maybe you give up a pick and Hernan Gomez. You're giving up two picks. You might have to give up an unprotected first, which I understand why the Knicks would not want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you just wait it out one more year, and then he turns into like an Ashik-like expiring contract, and you can get out of him a little easier, but then you're dealing with what may or may not be a toxic presence in the locker room for the next, what, 15 months? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sitting here going thinking about Kristaps, really. Because you don't want to alienate him as well. Mm-hmm. And if you can muster up cap space by moving Noah, 
by including a pick, like let's say this year's pick, which currently is slotted at 11th, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you do package 11 and Noah, get off his deal. Like you trade him to who's got caps? The Bulls have cap space right. for crying out loud. Like just, yeah, let's or just. The, the Suns. The Suns. Let's go with the Suns just yeah. because he wouldn't want to go back to Fred Hoiberg anyway. Let's yeah. send Noah someplace warm and nice. Yep. Yeah. So we send Noah and number 11 to Phoenix. And that frees up a lot of cap space. And then you have Chris Tops going, oh, you just gave up the 11th. And then you can go to him and say, yeah, but we got out of a very bad deal. Now we have more flexibility in free agency, meaning we can get you immediate help. Mm-hmm. Chris Tops might go, oh, well, we need that. Yeah, yeah, we kind of do. Chris Tops, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then you go into free agency, you hopefully do not make a similar mistake as you did last summer with mm-hmm. Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm-hmm. You sign someone who's actually worth their contract and you help the team from there granted it's horrible to give up a first round draft pick because you made a previous mistake yeah but it might help make your star player like you more which is in this case in this particular case at least very important yeah so maybe that's the route you take i i I would hate to do it as a franchise owner as a manager whatever i would hate to do it but it might actually be the lesser of all evils. Yeah, they're in a tough spot because, again, they're going to have to give up significant assets, most likely, to get out of that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you said, Mort, it's you, you don't want to give up. You don't want to compound mistakes. Like, they already screwed up yep. by signing him to that big of a deal and that long of a deal. You don't want to then add to the mistake by including future draft assets or, like, some of your young players who could develop alongside Kristaps that you're just going to set yourself back even further. That said, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, they're not, they can't get out of that deal otherwise. So they just have to weigh how pissed off is Joakim Noah and like how much is he going to be a problem between now and the time his contract expires. Yeah. It's, I mean, but I, I like, I'm glad that you said that your whole point about like don't blame Noah for his contract. Oh yeah, because that's a hundred percent fair. Like we make fun of these contracts because they are awful and they really are. You, I mean, they are a franchise crippling mistake. Look at the Memphis Grizzlies. That Chandler Parsons deal is so bad that they are now. I mean, they're screwed. Like that's the mm-hmm. end of the Memphis Grizzlies as as we know them because they signed Chandler Parsons to a max deal and his knees are gone. That said, like. I'm not going to blame Chandler Parsons for taking that deal. No team, right. no team had to offer him a max contract. That's on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't yep. don't get mad at him. It it sucks. Like I don't think like Parsons would like to have knees. I'm sure Noah would like to not have a completely broken down body. Like it's not, yep. you know, it's not on them for both of those signings were risky. Parsons yep. was a you know he had notable knee issues. He had ended each of his last two seasons before that undergoing knee surgery right Noah had a long list of injuries as well like both teams knew what they were getting into they deemed the risk worthwhile and it backfired on them but right you're you're spot on more there's there should be i understand why there's hostility toward noah from knicks fans like i i would be lying if i said you know if he played for the sixers i would be lying if i said i would also not be 
frustrated with obviously i mean it, it's a crappy situation that's fair but it's just a contract specifically right you can't yeah yeah right you're right yeah i mean if, like if the as if we said it hell I, i'm pretty sure we said it like right when these contracts got signed we said you know the value based on the cap boom was not totally unexpected i mean we got mm-hmm. sticker shock initially from noah and mozgov and luel dang as you mentioned oh god yeah but, but we figured deals that summer were going to be horrendously inflated given the salary cap boom the problem is the length of the deal if yeah. they if the knicks signed noah to a two-year 40 million dollar deal no one would be batting an eye right now because he would be an expiring contract and yep. he, you know if they could just move on at the end of the year it's the fact they locked him into four years at that price that was the screw up and like yeah maybe if they didn't offer him that length of a deal maybe someone else would have but in retrospect wouldn't they have been better off like the team yeah they would were capped out or that didn't spend cap space that summer they're the ones who are best positioned moving forward it was the teams that had mm-hmm. cap space that summer that are screwed now because they overpaid a bunch of players yep yeah i think we can sum it up like this we make fun of the teams yeah you know making those deals yep not not the player yep and so here's the thing what i i saw someone go on twitter as well like he was asked he, he was complaining about the noah deal and then someone asked this dude this is just a, some rando guy um would you not take 72 million it was presented to you mm-hmm. and then he went no, because that was that was that would um, destroy the integrity of the team, and it would destroy the possibility of us getting better. And I'm just like, yeah, you know what? You're so lying. You're earning like a buck fifty at Walmart, <laughs> so you would you would turn down seventy two million. That's it's like people coming up and saying stuff like that. It's so bad. Yeah. It's it's takes that I just can't say, take serious, and you know you you have those guys out there going that route, like, oh, no player in their right mind should take the, the that that right. tremendous contract because right. team hashtag team they should be on. It's a privilege to play in the NBA. Yeah, it's also a job. Yeah, right. And they have you get a, compensated for jobs. They have a very limited amount of time that they're going to get paid. Every NBA mm-hmm. player should take every goddamn dollar they can. Like yeah. the ones that sacrifice for whatever reason, Kevin Durant with the Warriors this past year because you know he made enough cap room for them to resign. Good right. for him. Good for him for being financially stable enough. You know, with all of his endorsement deals and sneaker contract and whatever on the side. Mm. But a lot of these guys don't have those, and you have a ten-year career most likely. For I mean, unless you're a really really good player. Yeah. Most of them have a 10 to 15 career, 15 year career at most. A yep. lot of them are going to fade out after their first contract or after their second contract. Like, mm-hmm. Take the goddamn money. That's fine. Yep. Same goes for NFL players who have like, what, four to five year careers? Yeah. they. I mean, a lot of their contracts aren't even guaranteed. That's the thing. Like, just take the money. Yeah. Yeah. Take everything you can. By the way, while we have uh, talked, there's. It's not breaking news, but apparently Shabazz Muhammad is seeking to be traded or released even ahead of Thursday's NBA trade deadline. Hmm. That makes sense. He's, yep. I mean, he's not playing at all in Minnesota. Nope. That makes total sense. I, yeah, Joe Johnson, too, we should mention, 
in oh, that's Utah right. is reportedly, yep. according to Mark Stein of the New York Times, reportedly angling for a trade or a release. So it'll be, I mean, it's going to be a fun trade deadline, I think. We've already seen a couple big moves this in the past week or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would be, you know, it looked, a week ago it looked like it was going to be a quiet trade deadline because we weren't hearing many rumors, but both of these deals came out of nowhere. I think the less things leak, just based on past experience, it seems like the less things leak, the more likely things are to get done. Yeah, I would agree with that. But just sticking with the Shabazz thing for a second, mm-hmm. remember how he was touted as potentially the number one pick Yeah, back in the day? Yep. And like, if he could just pass... And defend, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. Like he's still a high quality player, and he's just twenty five, right? Yeah, no, like, no. someone could pick him up and turn him into something. It would be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Minnesota wants for him. I, I would guess their asking price would not be all that high. High Spurs. Ooh, ooh, yeah, I like that. We I just mean, yeah. the Spurs are always like the team that we want. Whenever we want a player to like achieve his potential, we're just mm-hmm. like just send him to the Spurs. That's because we want to see them get a little bit younger. Yeah, well, that too. I mean, let's let's be honest. I'm pretty sure that whenever Tony Parker runs, I see a little bit of dust come out of his mouth. <laughs> oh man! All right, I'm gonna change the subject before more Tony Parker slander happens. Uh, more, let's go to our crush of the week, and you've got. Usually these are guys who are kind of flying under the radar. And yeah, I don't deserve care. More attention, but this I don't care. we're making an exception more. Go ahead with yours. Sixty points, ten rebounds, eleven assists, four steals. Yep. Sixty points on thirty shot attempts, mind you. Mm-hmm. Seventeen of eighteen from downtown, and he didn't even shoot well from three, where he was five of fourteen, yep. which is ridiculous. And he still like he had a true shooting percentage of seventy nine point one. I don't even need to mention his name because all of you know who the hell I'm talking about. So, I I can't I can't ignore that game. Yeah. I am I hate myself for not staying up and watching it. Um because I had I had the opportunity to do so, but I was just not, you know, sometimes you're in that mode where just oh, I can't do basketball right now. I need yeah. to take a break. Well, so I was watching a movie instead and then I was like I was heading to bed and I just checked Twitter and it was like end of the fourth in end, end of the third or something, it said Harden has forty five. Right. And then I thought, oh, okay, I don't know I don't know the result of the game. Yeah. So I can always watch a game if I don't know who wins. Mm-hmm. And then I shut off my phone and then in the morning when I turned it on again, damn Voge ruined it for me. <laughs> because I have these notifications when oh, he tweets. Yeah. yeah. And he posted the final line. Yep. And I was just like, "Thank you, Oach. thank you," because I can't, I can't get into games where I know the results. Yeah. So, oh, I hate myself for it. I should just, just not have been basketball fatigued that very evening. So, yeah. In your defense, a it was probably what four or five a.m. when that game ended, your yeah. time, and b yeah, they were, they were playing the Orlando Magic, right? Like. Yeah, but it was it was in Texas, so probably yeah, about five five ish. Yeah. So uh, I'll excuse you from not pulling an all nighter yeah. to watch an Orlando Magic game, even if 
James Harden was dropping a historic yeah, triple double on the sh- other side. He should just have put it up against like OKC or Golden State. I would have <laughs> right. watched that or yeah. the Spurs. Just don't do it on the Magic, James. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, but shout out first sixty point triple double in NBA history. Just an unreal performance. I think yeah. you know the the end. MVP race, we will debate again, probably over the All-Star break or sometime soon, but it's looking like he's wanting to start pulling away with performances like that. Mm-hmm. I think he has very solidly reestablished himself as the front runner after that hamstring injury, in large part yeah. because a lot of the other guys are starting to fade away a little bit. LeBron. <sighs> Told you. Yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to take Jamal Murray with my... Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, over his last seven games, <clears throat> nearly 24 <throat> points on 40, 54.5% shooting, 4.7 rebounds, 4.6 assists, 3.3 threes in about 35 minutes a game. He had a monster performance against OKC on Thursday night, and it was a nationally televised game. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean... Right now, I think that's the game of the year. It was just, if you were on Twitter Thursday night, the back and forth at the end there, Paul George was erupting, Jamal was erupting, Russell Westbrook was doing Russell Westbrook things, and then Gary Harris with the dagger three at the end. Uh, just unreal. Shout out to both mm-hmm. teams for that game. I guess that that game is probably my real crush of the week. But afterward, Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Afterward, I saw people saying, like, oh, shit, like, Jamal Murray's really good. Like, where have you been for the last three months? Like, yeah, he's yeah. been great all season. I mean, he really, yeah. you know, he got off to a somewhat slow start. But, like, mm-hmm. since the middle of November, he's been on fire. He's, like, yeah. he looks great. And I, I actually saw, I forget who posted this poll on Twitter. Oh, I think it was um, Keith Parrish from the Fast Break podcast. Fast Break Breakfast podcast, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um he posted a poll that was like, who would you take moving forward? Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, or Jamal Murray? Yeah, I saw that. I yeah. voted. And you voted Donovan? I did, and he yeah. leaded. And yeah. he, he, he was leading. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that Jamal Murray is in that conversation with those two guys, like... Oh, he should be. I know, but like we don't talk about him that way, and we should. You're right. He should be in there. You're right. But like, yeah, you're right. Donovan Mitchell's getting hyped for... You know, for uh, Rookie of the Year, Devin Booker was, like, not really an all-star snub, but people were saying, like, oh, shit, Devin Booker's putting up huge numbers. Jamal Murray's on that path. He is. I mean, 16.6 points a game at the age of 20. I have sort of – I don't know if it's a hot take, really, about Jamal Murray. I think he's going to end up being potentially the greatest free-throw shooter in the league when everything is said and done. Hmm. Because he's 20 years old. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward. Building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now... Incova Insurance. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. 
That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.